Hey community, welcome to our sermon podcast for wanderers, seekers, and thinkers, for deconstructing and reconstructing. This is a feed of Open Door Church, a faith community focused on God's love and grace, a progressive church built around action, community, and people. Enjoy this week's message and check back often as we're posting new content every week. So we've been working through Advent, and, and we missed the season because in our culture, I think, more, even more so than just as a religious tradition in a non-traditional uh, kind of church, we miss the seasons, the religious seasons, as a culture too, because, because everything is focused on December 25th, and Santa, and our presents, and Black Friday shopping, and all kinds of stuff. In this moment, we miss a huge amount of what's going on in the season because we're so focused leading up to Christmas Day. But the 12 days of Christmas are after, like it's the 25th, 6th, and so on, not before. And then we put like treats in Advent calendars, don't get me started on that, uh, as like a lead up into Christmas. But it's not this expectation or this waiting or this this period of preparation. That's the season of Advent. And, and so we're using a, a lectionary this month that we don't normally do. So I'm not picking passages. I'm letting someone else do that. And it is forcing me to deal with things that I wouldn't normally deal with, which is great. Uh, it's great for you and great for me. But, but the point is we don't, we don't think about Advent in the way of preparing or in that expectation and that waiting for the coming glory of God. And that's what the season is supposed to be. And we miss that. We miss that in our culture that focuses more on the Black Friday moment than on, you have it here now too. Like that's not just the American thing, which is, I don't know, Giving Tuesday, that's exciting. We should have promoted that on our Facebook page because we're so focused on that. Anyway, sorry. So, Advent, preparing, uh, waiting, expecting this, uh, this season of, of preparation for the coming glory. That's what this is about. And often the Advent passages the le- in the lectionary uh, are actually apocalyptic in nature, meaning that, that they are written in a time period in deep struggle, in deep pain, in deep sorrow, in deep frustration with the world around, looking out uh, during a time of exile or looking out into the world when enemies are overtaking and, and people are asking, where is God? And having to force, almost force a narrative that says, you know what, all of this is terrible and the world looks dark and dim, but at some point, somehow, some way, God is coming and God is going to redeem everything and put it right back to where it's supposed to be and put it back in right order. So last week we talked a little bit about righteousness and the right order of things and and that shift. So we did exile before moving into Advent, which was an accident, but it worked out really well, which is a shift from that moment of exile of, of desperation and despair and that move into the moment of hope and redemption that God is going to come. But if you remember... God can't put things, if we're back in the exile period, God can't put things back the way they were. Theologically speaking, as the story is being told throughout the Hebrew text, 
it's not simply that God is going to restore them from an enemy people. The prophets have told the story as God using Persia and Assyria and the Babylonians to punish Israel because they've lost their way. So God is a part of this, and you can't just send people back to the kingdom and say, a king is here, everything is good now, because the kingdom was oppressive. The kingdom used poverty to lift up the wealthy. The kingdom used God to access and create control and manipulation over the land. That's what, to be, to be very critical, that's what kingdoms require. Just as a quick reference, the reason Trump needs control and absolute control and desires that is because that produces control over the land. It's not simply that he wants power. It's that that's how you get control is that you create a kingdom and then you tell the narrative that you want to be told. God doesn't work that way and can't work that way. And so the period of Advent and waiting and expecting and preparing for the world to be renewed through the kingdom, the glory of God, a new kingdom, is not simply putting back in place a Davidic king. All of the prophecies are about a a monarchy that returns, but it can't go back to the way it was because that was broken also. And so this morning... The first passage in the lectionary is Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 14 and following. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I want to read a few lines for you. And one specific moment that speaks to what we're talking about in this preparation, in this waiting, in this, uh, in this shift from exile, from darkness, to, from brokenness into restoration and renewal. Sing aloud, O daughter Zion, Jerusalem. Shout, O Israel, rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has turned away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall fear disaster no more. On that day it shall be, a, it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who gives victory. He will, re- he will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in His love. He will exult over you with loud singing as on a day of festival. And it's difficult to translate, but this, I will remove disaster from you so that you will not bear reproach for it. All of that story is is to a people looking out into a world of despair, a world where enemies take hold, where, where everything seems wrong. The God who told you, I will be with you, it does not seem to be with you. And God says, listen, the day is coming when we put all of things back in order. That righteous response, that right order of the world will come. And who's the king? Did you catch it? Shout it out. Thank you. 
The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He's turned away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. The statement of returning a king to the throne, the prophecy of returning the king to the throne comes with it a slight shift in what power looks like and who is in charge. The statement is not, I'm restoring monarchy for you. The statement is, I, God, will be your king. That's how Zephaniah sees it here in chapter 3. And a day that is typically viewed as darkness uh, with, uh, with great calamity, the day is a day that God will rejoice over you will renew you in love, will exult over you with loud singing as on a day of festival. This is a day of excitement. It is a day of joy. It is a day of renewal. That is the waiting. That is the preparation. How do we prepare for that day of renewal? Remember, we've been talking about this from that perspective of How do we participate in this story instead of wait and watch and expect? Because often we think God is going to do this someday and we forget that God has invited us in to participate in the process right now. So we can wait and we can watch. Or we can wait and we can participate. And we can be a part of the process of bringing forth that renewal in small ways, in big ways, in, in small relationship dynamics, as a church family, as a community. All of those small things make big differences in the renewal of the land around us. Last week we looked at uh, Luke chapter 3 and we continue that story this morning uh, as the lectionary moves us from from John speaking and hearing more about John with the crowds. We have a continued conversation about the right order of the world. So John, in the wilderness, the people are coming. He's baptizing them. Uh, there, is, uh, there is both this uh, repentance and forgiveness of sins. There, There is this aura of change. They've left their homes in the cities, they've left their land, they've left their houses, and they've come out to the wilderness to see and be and hear from John. And this is what verse 7 continues in the story. So last week, for those of you that, uh, that missed us, he went into all the region around the Jordan proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah. Luke chapter 3, verse 4. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make His path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made high, shall be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth. Everything that is uh, of power in the world is going to be brought below. And everything that is on the edges, on the margins, the powerless are going to be lifted up. This is the way of the Lord. 
and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. And John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him. The crowds. Uh, Matthew and Mark shift this. I shouldn't say it that way. Luke is making a specific statement. It's not just the Pharisees and the Sadducees here. It's not just the religious elite. It is the crowds that John is speaking to. It is the people. You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Fire can both burn up, it can also purify, right? It can also renew. So we're, we're working in these mixed metaphors here as, as there is shift from renewal to, to that uh, correction to renewal and, and back and forth. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him. Okay, before the crowds ask him, let's talk about you brood of vipers. So, kind of a predatory animal. But more important is the response that John is expecting from them. We have Abraham as our ancestor. The statement is, oh, no, 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 not us. You're talking about somebody else. Because the prophecy you were just talking about was talking about all the other people that God is going to correct and God is going to put back in place the kingdom, the monarchy, and the people of Abraham are going to be restored. So not us, we are ancestors of Abraham. We might say this same thing today, we would say it a little bit differently because we don't necessarily talk about our, I think wrongly, but we don't necessarily talk about our uh, ancestors of as Abraham. We might talk about church. We might talk about, uh, oh, no, 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 not us. We're the ones going to church on Sunday mornings. We're there every Christmas and Easter. Oh, not, not us. We're doing fine because we've, we've got faith. And it looks like us going to church on Sunday mornings. Oh, not us. You can't be talking about us because we are believers. And we pray to prayer or we've been baptized, or we've done this. John is saying to them, your religious ancestry, your religious tradition is not an attitude or a place of repentance. That's not what it's about. And the new order, the right order that God is working to bring it about into fulfillment is not about religious tradition or religious ancestry. It is about something deeper than that. And so the crowds asked him. Only Luke tells this story. Remember when we we say we should be 
cognizant. Anytime Luke tells a story that John, uh, excuse me, that Matthew and Mark omit, we need to pay close attention because Luke is telling us a specific piece of the story, the, the narrative of, of the theology that we miss if we don't listen carefully. And the crowds asked him, well, okay, what then should we do? And in reply, he said to them, whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none. And whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. And they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what should we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be satisfied with your wages. You see, John is looking at a world where, where coercion and man, manipulation and, and, uh, and use of power is part of the dynamic. Where some have lots and others have little or none. And John says, what is coming in the new order? You're asking about, about where this this place of repentance, this place of humility, this place of preparation in ourselves and in our land looks like for the coming King, the coming glory of God, this is what it looks like. You have extra coats, you give your coats. You have extra food, you give food. And if you're in a place of power and authority, you use it appropriately. You see, tax collectors are known. What's interesting is that they're here, okay? They have also left their land, their houses, their city, and they have come to hear John speak. These people that are grouped as tax collectors and sinners is often the phrase, tax collectors and sinners, uh, have also come to hear John preach, have also come to understand the coming glory of God, and the response is, what are we supposed to do? Because what is typical of them, so this is how tax collecting works, not here, of course. Everything's all above board here. How tax collecting works uh, is you have somebody, uh, you have a governor or, uh, or a Caesar or a king who puts in charge of a people somebody to collect taxes. It's actually quite a prestigious position to be in because it's also a bit traitorous because uh, when you come to a Jewish people or a, a location that is of a certain population, you pull one of their leaders or one of them out and ask that person to collect your taxes. So in a Jewish land, you're, you're likely pulling a Jewish individual out and then asking them to collect taxes from their own community. It's a bit manipulative, as you can see. To make money as a tax collector, to make lots of money as a tax collector, you just collect extra taxes, and then you take your cut off the top. Super simple, super dirty, but you can see how that might be a thing. That's the prestige of having that role, is that you can then ask for more than you're supposed to ask for or need to ask for, you send what the king or 
or a governor or Caesar needs back, and then you take your cut. Jesus is simply saying, do your job. <laughs> do your job, do it appropriately, and collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Saying you have a job to do, and that's okay. The law of the land is, uh, albeit a problem, is part of the world that you live in. Continuing to increase the world of power and subjectivity, of poverty and wealth through uh, the manipulation and coercion of your own people is a problem and isn't acceptable. And all Jesus is saying is stop what you're doing. Begin to restore the right order, the right relationships between you and your neighbors and your community. Luke is also going to tell the story about Zacchaeus in chapter 19. Zacchaeus was a little man, we little man was he. Um, he's going to tell that story later on also about a tax collector who then is asked, he says, what should I do? And Jesus says, return the money. Seven times. Jesus, following this statement from John, is only working to restore and prepare the right order that the kingdom of glory that God is bringing with him. And soldiers also asked him, and we, what should we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation and be satisfied with your wages. You can imagine as a soldier in a land that you have certain power and potentially privileges that are not above board. John is saying, begin to restore the relationships in the land, to put things back right. Because the renewal and the restoration that is coming is not simply restoring the kingdom to a different king. It is it is restoring the kingdom of God that looks and acts and lives and breathes differently. That is what John is asking when they say, what should we do? You've told us to repent. You've told us to change our ways. What does this look like? It's not a religious tradition thing. It is deeper. It is in the fabric of the way we live and move and act, and relate to one another. That's what God is calling on. This is a different community. I want to tell you a story, again, told last night, told better this morning. I want to tell you a story. I was in, I was in Atlanta, and I met a woman uh, named Mary Mar Marquart. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Sorry, Mary. Mary is a sociologist of religion, so she studies, uh, she studies people and how they relate to religion and God. Uh, and then, and then more specifically, sometimes diverting from that, studying, uh, immigration and how people relate to the world that they live in and how we move around the world and, and in different places. Uh, she had a, a trip planned to, uh, Waraka, Mexico. And a friend of hers told her about, asked her to visit her family, actually. Uh, it was a 
a friend in Atlanta said, when you go, can you visit my family? She always takes the opportunity. This is the kind of person she is. She always takes the opportunity to go and do something like this. It's, it's part of who she is and what she's doing. And so while she's in Mexico, she takes, um, she takes a cab to get to this family. It's all been arranged and set up. And um, the cab drives her out of the city into the desert, drives and drives and drives, and then pulls over in the middle of the desert on the side of this road, and this is her stop. And the cab driver's like, are you, are you sure about this? Like, is this, I don't think this is a good idea. You probably shouldn't be doing this. This isn't really safe. She says, no, no, it's fine. I'm, uh, it's okay. I'm fine. And down from the mountains, a family travels down with a donkey. In the middle of the desert, down comes this family from the mountain. They take her bags and they put them on the donkey and they head back up into the mountains and they travel over an hour. The couple uh, of the house give them their room to sleep in. They have almost nothing. I mean, the conditions, she's trying to express the situation. So the, the, the conditions and the, the poverty is, is a bit overwhelming. They have so little. Welcome her into their home. Feed her. Put her in their own bed, in their own room, and take care of her. And they invite her to a tradition in Mexico called Las Posadas. This community is so small that they don't have that in their own space, in their own community. He says we, they're, they're far away from a, a slightly larger community. And they travel to practice this tradition called Las Posadas. And they ask her, would you like to go with us? She says, okay. So on Christmas Eve, they begin traveling to the small community near them. For an hour and a half, they travel to get to this community. That's their relationship to civilization. An hour and a half. So for a lot of... Uh, for a lot of Mexican communities, uh, they will gather all of their money together and send one person from the community to the states to work. And then they will, that person will send money back to the community, uh, to help lift the whole community into a better space out, out of poverty, out of less poverty, I guess. This community is so small and so poor that they don't have the funds even to send someone to send money back. That's the situation of this community. So they travel for an hour and a half through the mountains. And when they arrive, they participate in the whole community through uh, this tradition, Las Posadas. 
where the whole community goes from one house to the next, as Mary and Joseph did, and ask, can we come in and stay? And each house along their way, they're told, no, we have no room for you. No, we're full. No, there's no space here. And they get to the last house on the evening, on Christmas Eve, and the family welcomes the whole community in, and they've been preparing, and they've been cooking, and they've been waiting for this moment of community for the whole family so that they can practice their hospitality together. And they have this huge, lavish meal representative of this communal effort to provide and care for one another. And Mary, at the end of her story, says, I want to be living among Advent people because Advent people are thinking and living and preparing for the kingdom of God in a way that is wholly different than we think on a daily basis. Advent people are creating space for community, are creating space for hospitality in a way that that goes beyond tea and crumpets. This is our story. This is the tradition of Advent that so often gets lost in the midst of Christmas, in the midst of Santa, in the midst of Black Friday. When John says, if you have an extra coat, you give your coat away. If you have extra food, you give food away. When you can welcome and care for and create a new kind of community through your story, through your sharing of life, through the renewal of relationships, that's your purpose. That's what a repentant heart lifestyle looks like. It is this place of renewal, of stepping in and acting out the story of Advent. That's what Advent is about. That's what we're being called to. So, as we think through this Advent series, resist the urge to move into Christmas. Resist the urge to be already excited about the moment of the glory here. And take your opportunity, take your moment to prepare for that coming glory, to participate in the restoration that is coming. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Open Door Church. Our intro and outro music was created by Lee Rosevere and is used under a Creative Commons by Attribution license. Have a great week. Ask the hard questions and explore God's love. Everyone is always welcome to join the journey with us at Open Door. Learn more at opendoorfamily.ca. That's opendoorfamily.ca.